0: Your thoughts create your actions, and whatever you do consistently with your actions creates your life, your weight, your bank account, all that. So for anyone listening who might be like, well, you know, maybe, no, it's not a maybe. Your thoughts really are your life.
1: Hey, guys. So today on the podcast, we have an amazing guest, hypnotist. He's a success coach. He's a motivational speaker. And he's helped over 10,000 people improve their lives. His name is Marcel Klein, and I hope you enjoy the show. Tell me about your story. What got you into hypnosis specifically? Mm-hmm. Um, like, what, what was it that, that yeah. allowed you to discover this
0: practice? So it goes back, actually, to when I was young, like 12. So when I was 12 years old, uh, I was pretty fat. You know, And 13, I was fat. So I wasn't the most popular kid in school or anything like that. But I, I had a crush on this girl. And I'm like, okay, I'm too fat to even ask her, She's not gonna like me. You know, I'm not I'm not attractive. So I went and I joined the football team and I lost 24 pounds in one month, our coach ended up dying right after the season, it caused so much anxiety for everyone on the team, because not not him dying, but the actual, obviously, I was sad, but, but the actual act of playing, because most teams have 40, 50 people, our team had 13. So you're playing every play for four quarters normally have offense defense special teams we we did it all so we would get injured like some people on our team would have broken leg you know bones sticking out or all of a sudden someone would be coughing up blood you know and and really we start playing with 11 Right, so you get injured you kind of have to keep playing so it caused a lot of anxiety before games some of us would be throwing up including me because it didn't feel fun it was not a fun sport and uh i went and got hypnotized because we wanted to dedicate the next season to our coach
1: how did you decide to do that
0: so we had a family friend and she was a therapist, a PhD therapist. She was a hypnotherapist. So, you know, she had a doctorate in psychology. Mm-hmm. So I went to see her and my mom's like, you know, why don't you try getting hypnotized? I'm like, mom, this, this is a bunch of woo you know, this doesn't work. What do I know, you know? So I, I go get hypnotized and she's like, look at the time before I go in. I, I get out and it's like 40 minutes. And she asked me to think about football. And I could remember that I used to be scared of it, but I couldn't feel it. I couldn't feel the feeling. So the next day we had our game and normally the whole time I'm at school, I have anxiety. I'm like, you know, I feel sick. I, I just, I can't do it. We get to the game. Normally I'm throwing up. So some of my teammates are throwing up. I feel nothing. I'm trying to I'm trying to feel something, but I can't feel anything. We get to warmups. I feel nothing. We play the first half of the game. Normally we go to the locker room for halftime and I go, I'm like, well, where's the anxiety? Normally I'm like, Oh my God, I have another half of this. This is horrible. And I didn't have it. And I realized I'm like, Oh, that was cool. And I kind of put down the back burner. I was going to be a doctor. And I started getting really interested in psychology because I'd, I'd fall in love with these girls and they wouldn't like me. They'd go for a guy who, you know, like I was fat. I go ask the girl out, not that I'm skinny. I didn't ask her out actually. Some fat guy asked her out before, before me and um, she said yes. And I'm like, well, he was fatter than I was when I started. So it's not that. And I'm like, okay, well, if it's not good looks, it's not fame, it's not money. What's, what, what is it that creates attraction? And it was truly innocent. It was just out of love. I was falling in love with everyone, you know, as a kid. <laughs> so I, I got pretty motivated. And I started figuring out. I'm like, look, I have a pet monkey. So I figured out that it's about confidence. The more confident you are, the more you got. You
1: can't just throw that. You got a pet monkey.
0: Yeah. What? Yeah. So I, I have a pet monkey. My parents have a capuchin. My mom couldn't have kids, and uh, she didn't believe in adoption, so she got a monkey. And then she, I'm. My sister and I are the first pair of twins to be born in California through in vitro. It was like a miracle like that we were even born. So it's pretty cool. So my mom couldn't have kids. So she got a monkey before us. I grew up with a monkey my whole life. And I'm looking at my monkey and I realized, look, we're primates. We have very similar instincts. We have similar needs. And I realized that value is based on on confidence or self-value, right? And value is attraction. So I'm like, how can I work on my confidence? So I started naturally just doing personal development i didn't even know that there were people teaching this i wish i did i wish i had known that there i wouldn't have had to reinvent the wheel so i started working my confidence i started talking to my friends and anyways long story short i ended up doing pretty well and getting you know a lot of confidence and becoming much more athletic you know I, I i really became better and i never you know because i became confident so young i don't think I think that's the reason I never got into alcohol or drugs or anything like that, because I wasn't able to be peer pressured. Finally, I'm, I graduated high school. I was going to be a doctor. You know, I finished a year of, high, a year of college before I finished high school because I was doing it at oh, the same wow. time. I, want, I was in a rush. I was wow. like, hey, let's be a doctor quickly. Wow. I want to tell my parents out financially. They were struggling. I go to my friend's school, San Diego State University. So I'm there and he's not confident at all. A hypnotist is performing. I'm like, let's go check it out. We go check it out. A hypnotist calls my friend up on stage, along with a bunch of other volunteers. And he goes sleep. My friend goes in. I'm like, no way. You know, this guy was super, super insecure. There's no way he would even be hypnotized. And then at the end of the show, he goes, you're super confident. Comes off the stage. He looks different. He walks different. He talks different. And there's 400 people here. And the prettiest girl in this 400 person auditorium walks by, spins around, he kisses her, and he ends up dating her for three months. And he had never been with a girl before. So I saw that and I said, well, look, I was hypnotized before and it changed my life in a way. This guy just got hypnotized. I should go learn this. Like, This is pretty interesting. So I started studying it, and I just wanted to study it because I wanted to help my friends become more confident, things like that. And then I started to realize, oh my God, this is a lot more than just helping someone be confident. This is this is at the root of, of all change. This is not just, you know, it's so not mainstream, but people don't realize how powerful it really is. I mean, there are studies that show, for example, among subjects, at least because the hypnotist isn't very good. So when they perform these studies, it's not a hypnotist, it's a guy reading a script. So there's only so many people that will respond to that. Mm. So they found, for example, a study about the immune system, and they said people who were hypnotized, who are good subjects, had a significant improvement in their T cell count and their blood cell count. You know, and they have studies showing people who have HIV, they have AIDS, yeah. and they have 200 less T cells. It's pretty much 200 or less T cells. Mm-hmm. And those who were hypnotized were able to bring it up to 800 or 1600 after hypnosis. One so session? Mo- in, in probably, I think, a course of six or eight weeks. Okay. So just from changing their mindset, right? Using hypnosis, they were able to actually make a drastic impact in people's immune systems. I mean, every surgery in the world, every major surgery in the world has been performed under hypnosis, right? Root canals have been performed through hypnosis. Uh, Root canals is the most painful surgery in the world. And back in the 70s, 80s, uh, people forget this, but almost every dentist's office had a hypnotist on site because some people were allergic to anesthetics and they weren't as widely available or, you know, Common, it was hard to get their hands on it. They had to hypnotize people to be able to do these surgeries. So, if people could do that with hypnosis, I mean, you're telling me you can't change, you can't make someone a little bit happier, you can't change their pattern of focus. Of course, you can. Mm-hmm. You know, just not mainstream. And hypnosis is something we go into all the time, right? You hear a lot of hypnotists say this, but what it really means is anytime you're thinking, you know, you're, you're looping on a thought. You ever had a crush? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. So, what happens when you have a crush? You see someone, you know, you meet them, you don't really know them yet, you don't know someone after, you know, an hour or whatever. And you start to imagine yourself with them later how fun it'll be you imagine a future you and that looping on that thought that investment with them in your head is actually you hypnotizing yourself to fall in love with them and people will do that they'll loop on negative thoughts they'll loop on how bad they are on all these things and it's because they might actually be hearing the voice of their parents or their teacher or someone and those voices keep coming in their head, that's actually them being hypnotized in that moment when those voices were telling them that they were in a state of hypnosis. And that's why it's so impactful though. So you can reprogram people very, very quickly. I mean, people can do this for themselves. You actually do it. If you meditate, that's hypnosis. It's just people don't know that that's hypnosis. Someone might not be open to hypnosis, but they're open to meditation. You know, it's, it's so funny.
1: Would another word for hypnosis be reprogramming?
0: I would say hypnosis is, it's part of, at your everyday waking state like when you're going around around the day you're in trance 90 95 percent of the time so you're in hypnosis 90 95 percent of the day mm. so it's it's more than reprogramming it's, it's being it's your autopilot so when mm. you're on autopilot it's kind of like a computer mm-hmm. whatever's on the screen is what's on the screen but there's still things running in the background mm. hypnosis is that stuff that's running in the background and you can intentionally go in there and change it. but most people are trying to, you know, look at Instagram on their phone for instance when YouTube's open. You can't like a picture when you're on YouTube. Right? You have to you have to go from YouTube to Instagram. And I think hypnosis lets you do all that. Lets you change applications lets you delete, reprogram, install, update, you know, lets you do a lot of things.
1: You mentioned uh it's not mainstream. I want to ask you if, if hypnosis is so effective, if it's if it's curing people Smoking addiction, uh, if it's increasing their T cell count, why isn't it mainstream?
0: Because the things that are mainstream are the things that are most profitable. And you can't profit off curing people. There is no cure to AIDS. There is no cure to cancer, right? There, And how much money have we spent into researching it? And if there were to be a cure, someone would have probably already found it. But why is it some people get cured and some people don't? You know, Why is it that someone like Magic Johnson... Can cure himself from HIV, and most people can't. You know, and I think that if you follow the money trail, it's not profitable. Mm-hmm. It's how are they going to profit off of a hidden test? Mm-hmm. They can't. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why you'll see that even psychologists, you know, therapists, they have very old school training. It's it's very in depth. It's complicated. I think psychology is simple. It's it doesn't matter what the problem someone's going through is. It really doesn't matter. People so so often focus on the problem the problem is the problem right when i see my car as a flat tire the solution is get a new tire right if, if if i'm out of gas it's go get more gas i'm not dwelling on oh what made me run out of gas mm-hmm. why why did i get a flat tire did i run over something i'm not sitting there thinking about that i'm just going to go get a new tire mm-hmm. and I, that's the approach i like to take and i think a lot of people dwell on the problem instead of fixing it mm-hmm. and that's why they're not getting a result mm-hmm. and i think that's what society's brainwash to do. If you focus on the problem, well, you can keep to, you can keep kind of like patching the tire or give yourself like a gallon of gas and maybe go on your reserves, but you never actually fill up the tank. You never fix the tire.
1: Mopping the floor instead of turning off the sink. Exactly. Exactly.
0: (laughs) And I think that's, that's what's profitable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you can take medication every day, it's a lot more profitable than if you fix the problem. And imagine everyone had the emotional intelligence. Everyone, you know, imagine people just aware of the fact that eating, you know, feeding your kids cereal was extremely unhealthy you know imagine how Look, look at the us i mean if we just said hey this is super unhealthy look at look at obesity here it's it's ridiculous diabetes heart disease number one cause of death you know in the united states period Mm. well what do we do okay well if we just all unanimously said hey why don't we come up with healthier options and change our diets what would change for our life right and it's just not as profitable because it's like every industry fuels every other industry so if you're obese now you have medicine. It's just profitable. People profit off of disease. And when we stop profiting off of disease is when you'll see diseases start to disappear.
1: Sounds like an in, in a uh, psychological revolution needs to occur. Yeah. In your videos, you I've heard you say confidence is comfort.
0: Yeah. Tim, go into that a little bit. I found that confidence looks like certainty, right? But what is, what is confidence? Confidence is a feeling of comfort. Anytime you're comfortable with something, you're confident. And a lot of people think confidence is the superhero state. No, it's not a superhero state. It's just comfort. So if you want to gain more confidence, you got to step into the things that make you uncomfortable. And if you're in something uncomfortable long enough, it gets comfortable. So if you want to increase your confidence, you step into the uncomfort and you keep doing that over and over and over again. And eventually what's going to happen is your brain will say, look, I'm comfortable with the uncomfortable. And now your reality and horizon has expanded massively. I think confidence is at the foundation of happiness, it's the foundation of success, the foundation of good relationships. Confidence allows you to not be in fear. And I think most people are so focused on the worst possible outcome, so they're not confident in whatever it is they're doing. If you focus on the outcome, you win. And you have the confidence to believe that that's possible. Well, not only will you take action towards it, but you're not going to leave with fear. You're not going to have the insecurities. It's going to be a very different mindset.
1: So the people listening, if they wanted to self- Hypnotize, or oh, are there any auto suggestions or anything you would recommend to to boost the confidence?
0: Yeah, here's a, a huge thing that'll give them some awareness. I'll, I'll be at a seminar and I'll ask the audience, "Of okay, raise your hand if you know you're 10 out of 10 in confidence." Maybe one or two people, a number of hundreds of thousands will raise their hand. And I'll be like, "So everyone else in the room is a 10 out of 10 in confidence, but they're not a 10 out of 10 in confidence." You choose what you're confident in. We're all confident. That's that's a myth that we're not. This is the question: Is am I confident that I'm not good enough. Am I confident that my life is not where it should be? Or am I confident that I am? It's not real. It's just a thought, right? So whatever we decide to be confident in is what we're going to experience. And most people have taught themselves and continue to reaffirm that they're confident in the worst possible sides of themselves. They're not attractive, that they're not good enough, That no one will love them. Why would you believe that? Like, even if that's true, does that help you get to where you want to go? Of course not. So might as well just be delusional, right? They're like, oh, that's delusional. I think- Also, who you're around will influence your belief system.
1: 100%. I always tell people going back, I say, stop being loyal to thoughts that aren't loyal to you. It's true.
0: (laughs) you said it better than I would say it. People just decide. Look, I always say this. You have a lot more control over your mind than you think. But if you don't believe that, you have no control at all. So as soon as you realize the control you have, you can take action to change your life. Like you can change your life. The reason you don't have money is not because of the place you grew up, the environment you were in. I was homeless, you know, at one point. My parents were super rich. They lost everything. And then, you know, I had to earn my way back. I had to make it myself. I think it was this easy. is during the housing? You know? Yeah, 2008. Okay. So, you know, we were very, very well off. I lived in a mansion. I didn't even know what money was. I thought it was cool that my friends lived in apartments. I asked my mom, you know, we had this huge three-story mansion in the hills. I asked my mom, I'm like, why don't we have an apartment? Like, that's way, way cooler. You know, I didn't know what money was. We, we go to the store. I wouldn't look at the price. I would just be like, I want this toy. Or that toy. My mom buy me, whatever I wanted. She'd buy my friends things. I'm like, I just thought it was like a place you could just go take things. Like it was, everyone could get whatever they wanted. And then all of a sudden we had no money and we didn't have money for McDonald's. And there's no water and power in that house. And then all of a sudden we lose the house. And I was like, well, this is not what, I didn't understand what money was until then. And then there was this deep desire to help my parents and also make more money. Cause my parents are older, you know, my goal was to really help them financially. And that was, that was a big motivator for me. And then once that I, was your why initially, yeah, it was like, how do I help? So I wanted to be the best at hypnosis. I wanted to be the best at helping people and show them, Hey, look, you know, you don't have to stay here. Cause it was, it was hard. You know, like at the beginning it was super dark times. Like everything that could go wrong went wrong. I lost two dogs in one day, you know, they both got ran over at the same time and it was just stress after stress after stress. So I really pushed the limits of, of what I was, was capable of and I'm like well look if I could do this you know it, it kind of reframed it initially it's like why does this keep happening to me and you know part of me kind of wanted to give up and then I said you know look the fact that this happened to me means that I can't give up you know I, I just I have to keep It's just really how you look at it you know you could look a knife in the hands of a doctor can save lives the hands of someone else can end it oh, man. Yeah. yeah. you know yeah. it really it depends how uh, people look at it. I mean how how do you look at at the world you know initially you said when we were chatting earlier you said that when you were younger you might have more towards depression and you know sort of taking actions to be proactive about it it's
1: empowering to to realize that that there is no objective world out there it's all you Mm -hmm. it's all you how you how you choose to look at it in buddhism they have a principle called deeper looking like if you see somebody who's who's angry you immediately say oh they're just angry but you look deeper and you see actually they're in fear. They're yeah. they're in confusion. They're in fear. And this is a, in, an intelligent way of looking at the world. And so when I I read everything I could from the, I know you study said you studied anthropology. I was watching some of these. I got my degree in anthropology. I studied sociology, psychology. I studied all the psychotherapy, the the, the Eastern traditions, the Western traditions, spiritual traditions. And they all say the same thing. You know, you are what you think about all day. The mind is the is the filter in which you view the world, and only until you change that, can things be changed
0: in your life. And so people understand the logical side of that, because some people will be like, that's abstract. Mm-hmm. Well, your thoughts create your actions, and whatever you do consistently with your actions creates your life, your, your weight, your bank account, all that, so for anyone listening who might be like, well, you know, maybe, no, it's not a maybe. It's, mm-hmm. Your thoughts really are your life, because your thoughts create your actions. Mm-hmm.
1: You look hot, man. You you're sweating a little bit. You, yeah, I see. I see the. I didn't think you were. I was like, "Is so he gonna start sweating?" But now I see the beads coming yeah, up. I'm sorry. It, take, it takes like ten minutes to <laughs> sweat. Well, I know safety wise, we should only be in for like 20, 25 minutes. I just sit in
0: my sauna for an hour. For uh, an hour, uh, it's, oh, okay. it's all good. Okay. Yeah. Are you hydrated?
1: Uh I'm okay. I'm okay. We got some yeah. coconut water waiting for us. Yeah, then
0: we're good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm used to saunas. I'm used yeah. to. Yeah. You know, to me, it's easy. I don't even feel like we're hot. Mm. Sauna is not
1: even that hard. Yeah. No, it's just, it's just sweat. Yeah.
0: sweat. <laughs> sauna is actually really healthy times. for you. As a matter of fact, if you use sauna three times a week, yeah. it reduces the risk of heart disease and heart attack. Uh-huh. I don't even know the statistics, but yeah. by by a significant yeah, yeah, amount. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. You know?
0: So for a lot of people who are thinking, no, oh, I shouldn't sauna. I mean, there's just so many things. You know, you said you're into biohacking. Yeah. You know, what, what's the reason you're into biohacking?
1: It's just about improving this experience on life, you know. Like I think it was Jim Rome. He said, "You get a standard education, you get standard results." And so, for me, I was always this this guy who looked into the the, the esoteric you know i wanted to look at not just the mainstream but the alternative views i'm a big fan of cultural anthropology so i look at what other cultures are doing you know especially when it comes to health because if you don't if you don't have your health what do you really have a lot of people don't do well because they don't feel well this is the foundation of everything and so i got into biohacking because Number one, I'm, I think I'm lazy. I want to find a a shortcut into good health. You know, I don't. I don't think you all you always have to you know scratch and claw your way to good health. I think there's a there's a science uh, behind it that once you figure that out, you can make your life a whole lot easier, better, and more fulfilling.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Let's
1: get some coconut water. We were just talking about relationships. Yeah. Tell me your philosophy on relationships, and tell me how. Hypnosis can help relationships.
0: I think a relationship is based on a dynamic, right? We, we oftentimes dismiss this because human beings tend to think that we're different. But we are animals and as animals, we have primal instincts and there's a hierarchy. There's a hierarchy in every area of your life. There's a hierarchy in school. Whenever the principal or the teacher is no longer in charge of the class or the school, there is chaos. When your parents aren't in charge of the family household and the kids are telling you what to do, there's chaos. Whenever you're in a relationship and there's no clear dynamic, there's no clear leadership, there's chaos. And I think that if two people are confident, they're, they're both leaders and they come together. Now, if someone's not confident and they're insecure, that's going to be the end of all relationships. Because what's insecurity? Well, when you're in abundance you have an unlimited amount of something. So I'm in abundance financially. That means I could spend as much money because I know I'm going to continuously get money. So for example, a king or a queen, they have unlimited money. They could spend money on whatever they want. They'll never, they're never worried about food. Now, someone who's in scarcity is always thinking about, well, where's the next amount of that going to come? So I can't give any. Now, when you think about scarcity with love, I can't give you love because I'm not sure I'm going to get it. That's scarcity. It's It's about me. So someone who doesn't have anything, Is not going to be generous because they're thinking about themselves. How do I survive? Someone who has a lot is thinking about how they can give to everyone because they have more than enough. Their cup is overflowing. So in a relationship, you want to come from a place of abundance because that one, allows you to walk away from someone who's not in abundance and isn't treating you well. And two, in that relationship, you're able to show up. If you're not able to show up, you know, I've had this. I'll, I'll be dating someone and they'll get really insecure. And I tell them like, look, if you're going to be insecure around me, I have to break up with you. I can't be with you because that makes me feel insecure that makes me feel bad it feels like they're taking away from my plate i want to give i don't want someone to come take for me and similar to them if i'm giving to them i don't want it to be like a you know a limitless like an endless you know cup with, with a hole in it just keeps whatever i give just seems to go in one ear out the other so as soon as you do that what's happening for example a lot of people will reward a negative pattern someone says they're depressed you're like no don't be depressed i love you what you're telling them is hey whenever you say you're depressed i'm going to give you love wow right And someone says, hey, you know, I'm insecure. It's like, no, don't be insecure. You're giving them what they want. So what I do is it's called the pattern interrupt. I interrupt what they're expecting. They're expecting something and I give them something else. So now their brain says, wait, this isn't going to work for me. So imagine telling a dog to sit and you kick it. It's not going to sit every time you tell, every time you kick it, it's not going to want to sit. But if I reward it, it's going to want to sit. So similarly, is the person you're talking to presenting something that you want to reward? If the answer to that is no, then stop rewarding it. And this is what I would do. I would just identify the fear. So the fear here is if someone's depressed, the fear is that someone may not love them, right? If someone is insecure, the fear is that you may leave them or break up with them or cheat on them. So you have to almost bring the fear to light. So if someone tells me they're insecure, I tell them I'm gonna break up with them now because now I'm bringing the fear to the present and they have two options. They can either change the insecurity and their brain realizes, hey, this isn't the right strategy. The strategy is not gonna get me to actually get more security, it's giving me less. So now they'll, they'll switch up. And they'll be more confident. In my current relationship, my uh, my girlfriend got insecure, and I did this. And since then, she's been incredibly confident. Right when she wasn't confident, she was always hitting her vape. She felt anxious. She doesn't smoke a vape anymore. She doesn't feel the need to do anything. She's just completely healthy. She's going to the gym. Her mindset shifted completely. Before, she didn't want to go to the gym. She was lazy. She was hitting her vape. She was anxious. She's not anxious now. She goes to the gym. And that's because I didn't reward that one pattern. So it's funny how just being confident can snap someone into the right thing. And when you talk about hypnosis, well, you know, a lot of people look at hypnosis in relationships. As, can you hypnotize someone to love you? And what I found is the only thing I have a hard time doing is hypnotizing someone to fall out of love. I can't hypnotize someone to fall out of love. I think there's, there's more to love than what we think. And it's so deep that it, it, it's, it in itself is a trance. It's the ultimate form of hypnosis. And I don't think there's anything that I could do to make someone not love someone. And similarly, there's nothing I could do to make someone, I can help someone with pain, but I can't make someone stop loving someone. And to hypnotize someone to fall in love with you, you can kind of do it, but it's not real, right? It's just, it's hypnosis. It's not, it doesn't come from the place.
1: So what's the, what's the implication of what you're saying? Love is
0: deeper. I think love is deeper. You know, I, I'm not religious, right? I, if someone asked me, do you believe in God? My answer to them would be no, but my answer is also, I don't know. Right. I, I don't like being ignorant. So I can't sit here and say this is how things are, because if I say that, I don't know how things can really be at I, I give up on the ability to find the truth. So what I've found, even in my personal experience, is that, you know, when you love someone, you think of them, they call you, or you can feel something's wrong, or if if someone might have had this experience, maybe you're getting cheated on you, you could feel the disconnect in in there. And it's there's the chemical side of love, like, you know, the chemicals in your brain. I think there's a spiritual side of love that a lot of people miss out on. you might you might know this from different, you know, spiritual beliefs. But I think when someone's connected through love, it's just, it goes beyond, beyond everything. It's like your soul. Transcend. It transcends. In it transcends. Trans. You know, I think Shakespeare, I'm not sure who said this quote. It might be Shakespeare, it might be someone else. But the quote goes, there's more to heaven and earth than we can even begin to imagine. And I think that there is more than what we see or touch, you know. And and I think love has to do with that. So, you know, hypnosis can change all the chemicals in your mind. It can even change chemicals in your body, right? It changes the chemistry. But yet, somehow love is almost impossible to change. And I've tried this many times. Hundreds of times. You know, you can make someone feel a little bit less or think about them less, but the love never goes away. <laughs> so mm, Wow.
1: That's beautiful. This show is, is, is a lot about healing. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, um, is there anything that you are currently healing from or working on or reprogramming in your own life?
0: Yeah, I think it's an everyday thing, right? You know, to say that one is doing amazing all the time is wrong. Now, I my baseline is pretty good. Like I, I, my environment's happy, I'm healthy, you know, and there's times where I'm stressed. I'm always working to try and become better. I wanna be smarter, I wanna be sharper, I wanna be happier all the time. I want you know, a big thing that I found I have a problem with is like you, I, I always take shortcuts, right? I'm like, what's the shortcut? I think that's why I'm so effective. I'm such a good hypnotist. I found the shortcuts. But in other areas, it's not beneficial, right? Mm, yeah, I get bored easily. So I'm like, well, how do I become less bored? How can I just be present? Last year, I was traveling for about four months. And I, I you know, my mansion, my cars, everything, my friends, my family, I did not see them for four months. And I was in places like Mexico that, you know, weren't as nice. And it taught me how to really be present, but I I wanted to do more of that. At the time it was super stressful and when I came back, this felt like nothing. Like what was stressing me out here felt like a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. And I felt like there's another level to that. And I think that, you know, for me, the most uncomfortable thing at the time was to leave what I know. Now I think the most uncomfortable thing for me would be to kind of just stay stagnant. How can I stay stagnant and if not, maybe even go backwards in my life and still feel content. I know a lot of people do that. I think you've done that, right? Like you've kind of given up a lot of the material things you've done and come back and you said you've been happier than ever. It's like you've been, I guess it's a way to retrain your mind into that. So, you know, what What has been your experience?
1: Well, I I really connect with, you know, what you just said, which is being present. Hypnosis can't really penetrate love. I, I think they're one and the same, love and presence. I, I look at... And confidence. I, yeah, I, th- I think for me, it's like, there's no mind when you're present. There's no thinking. You're just here. Yep. You're just being, right? Human being. We know about how what a human is and the biological process, but do we know about the beingness? And I think that beingness, this is why I see a lot of um, people that are really kind of too smart for their own good. They're too up here, and they... Yep. They need to kind of shift the seven inches from the head to the heart, right?
0: I've seen a lot of people who are super smart. The smartest person in the room, you, you said a book to tell you the page, you know? And they're not happy because it's not about being smart. People are always chasing something, you know? I was chasing things. I was chasing more success. I wanted more money. I was doing that because I want to tell my parents. But once I got out of that, like, look, I have made more since I've become present and enjoyed more than when i'm not and i continuously want to do it like saying that i'm not there it's not true i am there but i want to be more i want to be there more and i see other people i see you i see other people who are there and i'm like you know that's awesome it's impressive because it really is you know people forget we're not here forever you know if you had if you had two minutes left to live what would you give for 60 more seconds you'd give anything but how many 60 seconds did you spend thinking about Things that aren't happy. How many 60 seconds did you waste, you know, talking shit about someone else or being upset or being miserable or blaming? How much time are you going to waste not enjoying the moment? Like if I'm never going to get another moment after this, I could leave here and, you know, die. I can get in car accident. So can I enjoy this podcast? Can I enjoy this moment until maybe that ends, right? So you never know when the last days, and I saw your video yesterday. You talked about that, you know, in one of the happiest cultures in the world. What was the name? Bhutan. Bhutan. You know, you said they think about death five times a day. I think about death at least five times a day. I think about it all the time. I'm like, you know, if, like, before I leave my parents' house, I'm like, you know, what if this was the last time I saw them? What if is the last time I'm seeing my friend? And there's a last time. There's, I'm sure people listening to this, there's a last time you saw an ex. There's a last time you saw a friend or a family member. There is a last time. Did you know that that was the last time? Would you change anything if you knew that was the last time? I think a lot of people have a hard time even conceptualizing that because they themselves are so scared of death. But you can't fear what's going to happen. It will happen. We don't even know when it's going to happen. So why not be in the moment? You took a break for a while, right? What? Why would you say you took a break?
1: I stopped. I put a. I pushed the pause button because I wanted to look within and make sure I'm fulfilling my dharma. It's so easy to get caught in a pattern of what, people think you should do and maybe even what you think you should do but maybe that's not actually why you're here i call it there's a difference between a good idea and a god idea you can do good things in the world and that's great but did you answer the call that was deeply in your heart and i think only until we kind of turn away from the noise can we find the signal of our heart um so that's why i took a break until you, sure you found it I think, like you said, I think it's it's remembering it every day. This is this is the the practice. This is the life school, right? It's just it's just remembering to be honest, to live an honest life, every day.
0: Do you feel a lot of people are not honest?
1: Oof, I think we wear a lot of masks. I think we wear a lot of veneers, and uh, literally and figuratively, so nothing's funny. wrong with that. But. I wanted
0: to be a plastic surgeon growing up. Ah, okay. Because I thought that that was. The, I thought that's what success was. I was always taught that, oh, that's that's a cool thing. Huh. And it was just not in alignment with me. Mm. So this is not in alignment with me. Mm. Like, why would I <laughs> change someone's body mm. or face? Mm. Now, there's plastic surgery I do like. Like, someone gets burned. There's things mm. like that. Reconstructive surgery. You know, but I think, you know, one of my ex-girlfriends has had five nose jobs. Yeah. Five. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. Well,
1: you know, you know Maxwell Maltz? No. Maxwell Maltz was, like, the, the father of, like, motivation, personal growth, right? Before there was Tony Robbins, Jim Rome, there was Maxwell Maltz. And Maxwell Maltz was a plastic surgeon. What he found was that he would work on patients and make them look so beautiful. But after he was done, they would still feel like they were ugly. And so he, he wrote a book called Psycho-Cybernetics, all about the self-image like really what you say, how we have to change the mind before we can change anything. It's
0: true. Yeah, I actually haven't read a book since sixth grade. That sounds crazy. But uh, (laughs) I'll tell you the reason. It's not that I don't like reading because I've listened to Tony Robbins speak for hundreds of hours. I've listened to Jim Rohn. I've listened to so many speakers. Uh, You know, I, I I learned by listening. I'll remember almost everything they say, especially the concepts. I'll simplify it. The reason I don't like to read isn't because I think reading is bad. It's because I feel that I don't want to change the way I see things. And if I read something, it really sticks with me. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to change the way I see things. I would like to learn from myself so I can help people follow the journey. Like I have, I actually have a a guide. Mm -hmm. And recently I've been, I've obviously been reading more uh, now, Mm -hmm. but you know, since sixth grade, I really, (laughs) up until, you know, up until I was like 23, I I refused to read a book. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to read anything. And now I'll tell you what I've learned. It was a mistake.
1: <laughs> okay. the
0: The ignorance behind it is that I thought I know better, and I thought that I would learn on my own and I would discover something. Mm-hmm. What I'm discovering now is that I am just reinventing the wheel over and over and over again. And I could have been much farther along yeah, time if I had read. So, you know, even if it's not reading, uh, you know, listening to an audiobook, whatever, super important. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that in my own mind there was the the need to there it was it a was laziness like I always took shortcuts like I wouldn't i got assigned to read a book in high school I'd read a synopsis on it mm-hmm. right you know and 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 take the test and somehow get an A so I was getting rewarded for laziness mm-hmm. so it's super interesting but you know even you I mean i'm I'm on stage and I'm changing people's lives yeah, I think there's things I work on I need to work on still and I think that people get it wrong. There's, there's no end to the journey. You're always work on yourself. But there's no shortcuts. Like people try to take the shortcut, yeah. right? And what I mean by that, you can't cheat personal development. You can't cheat having a six pack. Like you can go get plastic surgery and get liposuction. You can go change how your face looks, yeah. but you're not gonna cheat what it takes to be confident. And you're not gonna cheat what it takes to actually have the discipline to eat and diet, you know, or to be successful. And if you try to cheat it, you know it'll come back and bite you. You know, people try to scam other people. That's cheating it, and that'll come back to you. Or you always have to live in stress, looking over your shoulder. You know, people try to cheat other people uh, or cheat a six-pack. They go get surgery, they gain the weight back. Mm. You know, it's, yeah. it's just, there's ways to do it that I think are proper, and I think everyone is taught to do it in a superficial way, and that's why they're not happy. Mm. And and it's so true. You know, whether whether you've you've had plastic surgery or not, you know, like right now, look at fillers. Oh my God. You know, everyone's getting fillers. It's crazy. I don't even think people know what the long-term health effects or side <laughs> effects are of injecting yeah. this into your body. Yeah, yeah. Nor care.
1: It's all about how can I get more likes or how can I impress you know somebody else.
0: I always say this. I've been saying this for years. I say if you try to make other people like you for something you're not, then you're never going to attract the people that like you for you, mm-hmm. and you'll never be happy. Because you're always pretending to be someone you aren't.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's go back to some of your work. I'm, I'm curious. What's your most transformative story for someone you helped? A patient or a client? Or
0: Yeah, I have so many. Like, my fir- I'll give you an example. My first time ever having a client. When I had no skill. Like, you know, I didn't know anything. My friend referred me this client. And paid me $60. And he was in high school. And I talked to his mom before and his mom tells me, look, he's, he's got a C or he's failing his um, chemistry class. He has no confidence. He has a crush on some girls. He's fat, you know, can can you help him? I said, let me, let me see. So I'm, I'm talking to him and I'm reading off a script. Like I have a binder as if it's my notes, but I'm reading a script mm. and I say the word sleep and he just, mm. you know, collapses. And I have to catch his head, you know, cause I didn't want it to hit the table. Mm. And I hypnotize him, I have a 10 out of 10 in confidence, hypnotize him to just be 10 out of 10 in everything. This is my first time ever hypnotizing a client. And I say, Wide well, awake, I have no idea if it worked. I'm I'm so nervous. And I'm like, okay, you know, hopefully, hopefully I did a good job. I get home, an hour goes by. His mom calls me. She's like, I don't know what you did. Oh, he wanted to be a screenwriter, but he didn't never started it. And she's like, I don't know what you did, but my son's writing a script, you know? Like, I'm like, oh wow, that's awesome. She calls me an hour later. She's like, he finished the script. And I don't know what you did, but he just called a girl he had a crush on. And asked her out, and she said yes. And I said, wow, that's awesome. Calls me an hour again later. She goes, I don't know what you did, but he called the second girl later, I on, and she said yes. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I'm like, is wow. she trolling me? It must, be, it must be a joke. She wasn't. And then she calls me on Friday. This was a Sunday. She calls me on Friday, and she goes, it's like 9 p.m. She goes, I don't know what you did. But my son just won a talent show. I'm like, what talent does he have? She's like, he doesn't. He went to the principal's office. He used his new confidence and charm to convince him to let him into the talent show. And he flipped the water bottle and won. And I was like, well, that's crazy. Now, a more recent example of this would be like, I've had seminars with someone with a stutter since three years old at 26. Gone. No stutter. And still to this day, don't have a stutter. You know, someone will be smoking, you know, addicted to weed. I had a guy who was addicted to cocaine. Gone. Won't even touch it. The seminar I did two days ago. I had someone come up on stage, very quiet, always suppressing themselves, no confidence. What we found out is, on stage, is that the reason he wasn't confident was because his whole life he's been brought down by anyone who would, whenever he shines, they'd bring him down. I did this intervention with him on stage and he was so confident. He was crying. I mean, the whole room was there. You know, I've had people who were molested when they were young and, you know, because of that, they can't connect with people. They're always disconnected, always disassociated. No lines in their face because they can't even show expressions. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you get them to go back and overcome it and get rid of it on stage. And all of a sudden they're happy. You know, I had a guy, my third ever seminar, the guy was 40 years old, the virgin, you know, couldn't even say he's a man, his dad, he hated his dad. So he's like, I don't want to be like my dad. So I don't want to be a man. And he associated the two and we ended up getting a huge breakthrough. I see him a couple years later, he's married, he has kids, you know, so it's like change can happen in an instant. You know, I, I can't tell you one one change, because I really don't know any. Like, you know, a guy in the audience, I have a testimony on my phone. I'll show you after. Uh, it's over there. From the seminars. A free event. Mm-hmm. This guy comes, and he's like, he's like, look, you know, I've been charging 500. I'm a producer, a music producer. I've been charging $500 for this product for, for so long. And after the seminar, things clicked in my head, and I hypnotized everyone. And he said, I made $40,000 the next day. Like, he closed two people for $20,000. So whether it's financial, whether it's whatever, you can have a massive breakthrough yeah. internally. Wow. Just it's just a shift in paradigm.
1: Where do you hope to take off? Like where what's your uh like visualize and think about the world in which you see maybe 10, 20 years from yeah. now? Uh, what does that world look like if yeah. what you're you're offering is on a, a higher level?
0: You know, I, I look at like Tony Robbins. I love Tony Robbins. You know, I, I, I wish I could meet him one day, but you look at people like this. I look at people who have the ability to make such a big impact. And you know, my goal is really just to impact as many people as possible and show them that number one, they can change quickly, right? People sit there and they have they are depressed over something that happened to them or or they're traumatized and, and they sit there for years, their whole life even, and they don't even know that they could get rid of it in five or ten minutes. Like it's it's almost it's sad and funny at the same time. It's sad because it's like, wow, you live your whole life like this and it's funny because, you know, in five minutes it's gone. People are like, no, there's no way. In five minutes, that's not true. Why haven't I heard about it? And I've heard about it because again People wouldn't profit off of you if they did. And on top of that, it's hard to believe. Society thinks that you can't change and it takes a long time to change and it takes months and years. And, you know, habit takes 21 days. Mm-hmm. It's not true. Mm-hmm. It is not true. I am willing to take anybody on and prove it. You know, if we had someone here live, I would do it. I would show you. You know, it's just my goal is to show as many people as possible that they can change now and they could do whatever they set their mind to. Truly. You know, and if it's only a couple thousand more people or it's millions or billions of people you know as as big as I can go I'm, I'm gonna try my best to get there mm, yeah wow. love that
1: love yeah. that you're gonna do it that's the goal what can you give somebody listening right now say man, you know they live in another country they can't make it out to your seminar yeah Um, what can you offer them to help shift a negative belief that they carry
0: I post most of my stuff on YouTube for free, right? My speeches. I have videos on YouTube where I hypnotize people. I have a video on YouTube at this time of the video. Uh, it's, it's called Hypnotizing You Through the Screen. And it has 62,000 views. It has like 600 comments. Every single comment, oh my God, you changed my life. Like, you know, we can just go through it. And that's an eight minute video on YouTube. Yeah. Eight minutes on YouTube. No one's, some of these people have never been hypnotized. So if you're, if you're watching this, you know, I'm even down to, you know, I always tell people, hey, look, if you want something for free, I have a, a free course actually teaches you how to change your mindset shift your mindset it includes teaches it teaches you how to prime your mind i have a free hypnosis audio it wasn't free in the past called dominate your day hypnotizes you to be more successful i try to give as many people as possible free things you know i have clients that pay me i charge a million dollars a year for one-on-one but those are really big clients and you know i only have so much time so i try to take on very few of them but i i do as much as i can i'll talk for free you know i love to change people's lives so it's not just about the money obviously the money to grow and make an impact But, you know, anytime someone needs something, you know, shoot me a DM on Instagram. Go on my YouTube channel. I have so many free resources. Where can they find you? Either Marcel Klein on YouTube or at Marcel on Instagram. Marcel is spelled M-A-R-C-Z-E-L-L. So it's a little bit of a different spelling, but it's the easiest way to do it. Appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for having me on, bro. Boss. Love that. It's fun.